Shabbat Shalom. Let's go ahead and uh, find our seats this morning. We'll regather ourselves wherever you're at. There we go. Amen. We had a little trouble last week kind of getting everybody gathered and figuring out, you know, when Brian was starting. So I said, hey, let's play the shofar sound. Maybe people will hear that and they'll know and they'll listen. It's regathering, recalling each other. Um, so that was, that was just a last minute idea. Sounds like it worked a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, we used to have a, a, a little bit of a Shabbat Shalom shouting contest, but uh, with Rabbi John, you know, he'd, he would want to hear, hear you shout back Shabbat Shalom about as loud as you could. Um, bring it back. Bring back the Shabbat Shalom shouting contest. <laughs> I don't know what he just... He, he, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in First Corinthians twelve today, for the most part. Um, we'll we'll hit a, a few other uh, areas, but First Corinthians twelve, if you want to go there. Um, <clears throat> in my first message, if we go all the way back to when I first started talking about this is probably in June um, about the ruach, the gifts of the spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. I in that first message, I actually read through First Corinthians twelve. And, and I told you that I was going to come back to it, but I haven't come back to it up to now. Um, and, but I'm going to come back to it today. I'm not going to go through all of it. Um, I'm going to kind of hit the, um, the latter two-thirds of it. Um, so we're not going to go through all of the, the gifts in detail. Um, we will do that at some point. Um, but we're going to continue sort of in the vein of the new member series today um, that Joe was uh, teaching on last month. And, and this is a teaching I actually talked about with Joe um, over a month ago. Uh, I wrote this actually well over, I think I wrote this in July. Um, this teaching, I didn't know that I was going to save it till now, but I think it really works out now. Um, works out well. Um, my, my goal in this discussion today is that uh, <clears throat> we would join together in a vision that every member of remnant of Israel is gifted by God and intended to use your gifts by God to serve the body. So if you want to just ignore everything else I say, but you have that down, then uh, you've got it, okay? Uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and then I'll tell you what I said. This is how, this is how we format normal uh, speeches, you know, today in modern day, the, the sandwich, that's the she reminded me, it's the sandwich that we, we do. So hopefully, you know, um, the Holy Spirit has already imparted this on you or will impart this conviction upon you just as he has done so on me. This conviction is really recognizing God's intention also to make us less independent. Okay? To make us less independent and more dependent upon him and more interdependent upon one another. So less independent more, in, more dependent on him and more interdependent on one another. So um, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to start in verse 12. Could I actually have a volunteer to read for us? Just read um, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, and just read to the end of the chapter. You want to do that, Chris? Um, I'm going to give you a mic so that you can read real loudly. But brothers, I do not want you to go on being ignorant about the things of the Spirit. You know that when you were pagans, no matter how you felt, you were being led. You were being led astray to idols, which can't speak at all. Therefore, I want you to make it clear that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God except 
Can you start in verse 12? Sorry. Started at verse 1. Go ahead and uh, start um, uh, right there. Oh. There you go. For just as, just as the body is one, but has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, constitute one body, so it is with the Messiah. For it was by one spirit that we were all immersed, immersed into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we're we were all given that, that the one spirit to drink. For indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot says, I am not a hand, so I'm not part of the body, that doesn't make it stop being part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I'm not part of the body, that doesn't make it stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If it were all hearing, how could it smell? But as it is, God has arranged each of the parts in the body exactly as he wanted them. Now, if they were all just one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are indeed many parts, yet just one body. So I cannot say, cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be less important, turn out to be all the more necessary. And upon body parts, which we consider less dignified, we bestow great dignity, and the parts that aren't attractive are the ones we make as attractive as we can. While our attractive parts have need, no need for such treatment, indeed, God has put the body together in such a way that he gives greater dignity to the parts that lack it so that there will be no disagreements within the body, but rather all the parts will be equally concerned for all the others. Thus, if one part suffers, rather all the parts will be equally concerned for all the others. Thus, if one part suffers, all the parts will suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts, all the parts share its happiness. Do I keep going? Uh, that's actually really good right there. Okay. We will stop right there. Thank you. All right, so, just open question. What is the main theme, the main idea of what Chris read? Interconnectedness. Interconnectedness, okay? Interconnectedness of the body, all right? Kristen? Different parts operating as a whole, okay? So, parts of a body operating together as a whole, okay? Any other... Ideas, Charlie? One cannot, One cannot exist without the other, Charlie says. In the back, yes, John. Unity but diversity in one body. Amen. Chris? Um, care for everyone. Care for everyone. So there's some really good things there out of that. All of those are true, yes, Amber? All being led by one spirit. All being led by one spirit. Amen. Amen. Zach, did you have something? Yeah. Uh, you can say you're not part of the body, but you are. You can say you're not part of the body, but you are. So in other words, you can have action words like, I'm not supposed to be here, or I'm not supposed to contribute to that. But if you are called by God, you are part of the body, whether you think it or not. You're part of the body, whether you think it or not. Here, when you are... When you are Immersed in the blood of our Messiah, Yeshua, you are part of the body. Giving, giving honor to all of our body, Mandela says. Giving honor to all of the body. Amen. It is, these are all good themes. This is an illustration of how the body works together. The body Messiah works together. And all of these things that have been said are true. Um, a, bo a body must have diversity. A diversity of parts to work, that all work together. Every part is interdependent, as Ariel said. Every part is interdependent on the other. Uh, and a body, you know, a body, it can't be all legs, right? Um, <laughs> that would be weird. Uh, it can't be all legs. That wouldn't be a body. Be it can't be all mouths, okay? That wouldn't be a body. Every member of our body, this is another thing to remember, every member of our body is put there by God, with a purpose. So because they're purposely put there by God, 
then, and, that, and I'm saying you, then you each must have a purpose. And if Kristen said, if one part doesn't work right, then the whole body doesn't work right. If one part is suffering, your whole body suffers. And you know that when you have the toothache of little tiniest little thing that's bugging you in your tooth, but you're just in immense pain, right? And you can't eat and you entirely suffer, right? Um, small things like things that are physically, you know, small, they can cause us great suffering in our bodies. Um, a pinched nerve is a tiny thing. And we've had one member of our body who's been suffering with a pinched nerve and been debilitated, unable to walk virtually um, because of a very small thing. You know, that, and that's so, so, so true. One, one part of our body suffers, we suffer to, it suffers together. Um, and so that's an illustration of a physical body, but it extends to us as a congregational body. So in this chapter, Rav Shoal, the Apostle Paul, he, he lays the foundation in the, in the section before what Chris read. He lays the foundation of spiritual gifts and how there's a diversity of them. And, you know, some of them we may not fully understand. Sometimes you might think, well, are they even all necessary, right? Do they actually have a purpose? And, and even if I don't understand them, you know, we're, we're supposed to understand that they all work together, right? They all some, they, somehow they all work together, and but everybody doesn't possess them all. And, and then after all of that, you know, Paul then goes into this analogy of the body, as a congregation, as a body. And, and there are all these people in our congregation. There's all these people in our congregation, and everyone has different gifts. And they're not just individual gifts, Right? You know, doing individual things. You know, it's not like a factory. Um, like Joe works at a factory. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys else work at a factory. I work at a place that has a large factory in it and a lot of individuals doing individual things. Um, sometimes gifts work that way. Some gifts do do individual things. Some gifts take hands, handoffs from another function, right? So it kind of goes in order and they complement one another. Gifts do that. They complement one another. Um, but they're all supported in some other way by another function. All of our functions, and, and other gifts, they function together. They don't ever function alone sometimes. Like, um, you could think of it as like your arms, right? Like if I was going to lift something large, I'm not going to like try and lift it with one arm, right? I'm going to lift it or with, two, with two arms or function together like that. Or if, if somebody needs a hug, like a real embrace, no, not just like a side hug, but like a real comforting embrace. I'm not, I, I have to, I use two arms to do that because they work together, right, to, to perform that function, right? So we should understand that within the congregation of Remnant of Israel that we have giftings as an entire body that work together. And Every member has these giftings. And, and there's another way to say it, okay, is that every member should be a minister. Now, for those of you who have been here for years, that should ring really loud and clear because you know that that was a primary theme of Rabbi John for a long time. Every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. He preached that all on and on and on, all the time. Every member brings something to the table. Every member should be a, I'll, I'll call it a little s shamish, okay? Uh, uh, a servant within the body. A Hebrew word for servant, shamish. Every member should be a little s shamish. Not, not everyone is a, I'll, I'll use the word, a capital S shamish in the sense of like a deacon type role, an official role. Um, but every member is a little less shamish. I'm a little less shamish. I serve in the congregation, okay? And, and you are all little less shamish as well. You are all servants within the congregation. Every member should be. Now, now typically, though, I say should be because typically here in the U.S., that's not how it works in congregations. It's, it's often not how it works. Most of the work in congregations is done by a few people. And oftentimes, those few people are 
are the paid staff or like the super volunteers and the rest of the people they don't do much of anything um, they, they come to service they hear and they watch you know they're glad to be there and then they leave and that's really common in the United States in, in, the U in US churches congregations synagogues um, and the problem with this is that functionally there's not an awareness of every member ministry and every member service in the congregation. There's not an awareness functionally that everyone is gifted by God through the Holy Spirit to be a shamash, to be a servant in some capacity for the overall function of the local body of Messiah. When, that, when that's the way you organize yourselves, and that's the way a congregation organizes themselves, you lose that functional awareness. <clears throat> but sometimes, and in some ways, people like it this way. Okay? In some ways, people really do. They like it that way. The congregation pays all the staff to do the work, so they don't have to. The staff does the work because they like to have a job. They have job security, and they like to get paid. And Rav Shaul, Apostle Paul, he would tell us that that is a very unhealthy congregation because that's not a body. When just a few people do the work, it's not a body. That's a part of the body, right? So... Um, maybe it's the teaching part. Maybe it's the leading part of the body. But then you'd have to ask, well, where are the other gifts? Where are the other parts of the body? Where is the administration part of the body? Where is the service part of the body? Where is the mercy part of the body? You know, Paul would urge, he would exhort congregations that everyone would be involved. That's what he would say to us. That's what he's saying to us in in 1 Corinthians 12, he's saying that everyone should be involved because you all have an ability to serve. You all have an ability. We all have an ability to serve and minister to one another in our giftings, in our roles, right? And, and he would do so by reminding us and saying that this is a body, right? But this is not just any body, okay? You can have a lot of organizations, right? There are plenty of organizations out there and social service clubs, things like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know to name all of them out there, but plenty of organizations that do, that gather together and they organize themselves specifically for service in the community. Um, there's a community organizations that do that um, in, different, in different ways, right? And those are, those are bodies, they're organizations just like us, but we're not just them. We are an expression of Messiah's body. And that is a big deal, and that makes us different in, in a major way because we have the gifts of the Spirit in this body and to minister in the way that Messiah wants us to minister. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, His life is in a group of people, is in us to together demonstrate the very character of Messiah, the heart of Messiah, the mission of Messiah. And so we have to be a community that's on mission together. We have to be that community that's serving together, serving one another and reaching out to the community outside this walls and outside our, ourselves, right? But the whole community is kept alive by every member participating in the gifts that the Spirit gave them. That's how we're, we're called to operate. You know, so, so if we have one person or a very small group of people that's doing the ministry, and the rest sit here and do nothing, the rest sit there and do nothing, then, then you know, that, that, that doesn't look like what Paul describes, okay, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, we could say, well, yeah, a single part of the body could exist. Certainly, a single part of a body could exist, but it, it can't be living and functional, right? So if, uh, if there was a finger, right, that was detached from a body, now, that finger would exist as a finger, and you could see it and say, that's a finger, right? There's a finger, right? Boys, you, you're kind of gig, you're snickering there, boys, but you're right, you're right. That's a finger there. If the finger was detached from a body, you'd say, well, yes, it's a finger, but is that finger alive? It's not. Is that finger functional in the way that it was intended to operate? No, it's just a finger, right? It, it's detached. It's a cold, dead, detached finger. It doesn't work. It doesn't function. You know, that's why Yeshua said in John 15, 5, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? That finger can do nothing apart from the body. 
can do nothing. Conversely, a body could function without a finger. Like, if I lost a finger, I could still go on. You know, there's people, I don't know if there's anybody here who's lost a finger, but I've met plenty of people. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, Kristen, more than just a finger, right? But you can still function, right? You can still function. I can still, I can still function without a finger, but it's not as well as what God originally designed, right? What, what he intended it to work. And, and you'd probably rather have that finger to function, right? You'd probably rather have that finger or that leg to function, right? Um, the reality is, though, that God has given us all the parts that we need to function. This is, this is praiseworthy. God has given us all the parts that we need to function as his body. He's given us everything that we need. Yet, if those parts aren't being used, then we don't really have a functional body. If they're not being used, if he's given us everything, but we don't use them and we're not exercising them, then we don't really have a functional body. And, and because we don't have a functional body, we don't even realize what life could be like if everyone was involved, if everyone was functional, we don't even know what it could be like if we were functioning in the gifts and roles that the Spirit has given to us. We have no idea how much could be done when the entirety of the body functions together because we only know what it's like when just a few members do the, do the work, when just a few members are emphasizing their gifts. And the Holy Spirit wants our gifts to be used because it glorifies God. And that's our intention is to glorify God. That's what we're put on the earth for, is to glorify God, and he wants us to do that. And he, and he would also tell you that the pastor or the rabbi in the congregation, he doesn't have all those gifts. One person does not have all the gifts, and that's why it's so important that every member as a shamish is the way a congregation should function and operate. She said, if, if all gifts were from God, if one person had all, gift, all the gifts, wouldn't they be God? And in a sense, I mean, partially, right? I mean, I, I can understand that because Yeshua could operate within, fully within all of the gifts of the Spirit as his ability to do so, perfectly and wholly to do that. And we will never do that, especially individually. We will never do that. You're right. Yeah, Absolutely. So every one of you has been given a valuable gift from God. Every, every person here has been. And I, and I say that regardless of your age. So Zadok, everyone, you're a person, Zadok, who, who's been given a gift by God at your age. Right? You're, you might, I don't know if you're the youngest person in the room, but I just kind of looked around and looked at you. One of the younger people in the room. Even at you, at your age, every, you have a gift. You know, and I don't have your gift, Zadok. I don't. I don't have your gift. You know, Joe doesn't have your gift. Annette doesn't have your gift. Miguel doesn't have your gift. You know, some of us, you know, I might, maybe I have a gift of teaching. Someone has a gift of pastoring. But I might not be great at a mercy ministry, as an example. I might not be great at that. Um, some, some people have an awareness of, of everyone's needs and, and, and just being on it and having the time to do it. And, you know, they have that, maybe they have that gifting of the mercy ministry. And so a congregation that doesn't have that component or have somebody who's operating in that component, right, have that person who's aware of suffering and going and visiting someone and caring for them, when, when that person isn't operating, they have a gifting and a calling like that and they're not operating in that, then the congregation is not experiencing all that Messiah would want for them. Okay? Because ministry is more than just teaching, right? It's way more than just teaching. Um, God is a God of, who does more than just teach us. He's a God who has compassion on us. He's a God who has mercy on us. He's a God who heals us and stands with us on our behalf. And so we need to be fully active, you know, we need to activate these gifts. I believe that we have these giftings within our congregation. There's people, for example, with mercy giftings in our congregation, and I believe that they're at least partially active. We need to be fully active in these. Um, and, and the reality is expecting one or two leaders to possess these gifts plus 
mercy and plus other giftings is it's just not realistic it will be a quick letdown if you expect that i would have all of the gifts okay that will be a very quick letdown for you because i do not i will tell you i do not um, and i will i will very much disappoint you um, and and it's a really it's a false expectation uh, the bible does not prescribe that in any way uh, it's an unfair expectation that's right. Now, mercy is just one example, right? We, we need as a whole to be a broad demonstration of, of our Messiah. We need to be a broad demonstration of our Messiah. You know, just as some of our parts of our body, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, are, are public, some are not public. Some are visible, but some are not. Um, some of our gifts manifest themselves publicly, some do not. Some are manifest themselves in very small details. And, and some are in big ways. And so we have to think of, of ourselves, again, we are, have to just have this understanding that we are the embodiment of our Messiah on the earth, in this place, in this local place. We are the local expression, the embodiment of our Messiah. And no single one of us, no individual is the whole body of Messiah, but together we are, and together we are interconnected and dependent upon God to function as the body of Messiah. And, and that body of Messiah is, uh, is multifaceted, okay? Multifaceted. This is a, a good word to describe how we are because, because there's, you, you have different attributes to the body of Messiah to consider and, and how the body of Messiah expresses themselves. Multifaceted is a, <clears throat> is a good word to say that. And uh, I think I've described... Uh, well, in, in Ephesians, I'm just going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, it, it, it talks a little bit about this, not, not necessarily multifaceted, but, but uh, how the multifaceted body of Messiah works together and, and what the effect of that is. Okay? In chapter 4 of Ephesians, um, in the middle of the chapter, in verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all, grow up in all ways into Messiah, who is the head. From him, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. And the proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for building itself up in love. So the key word that I'm emphasizing there is, is all of the body is working together towards the body's growth. The, our bodies, you know, if you think about our physical bodies, our physical bodies, the functions of our physical body, especially when you're, uh, a, you know, a young person who's in stages of growth, is your physical body is working itself together to grow yourself physically in all ways. It's all working together, right? And, and the body of Messiah is no different, that we all work together for, for growth, the whole body makes the body grow when every part is functioning together. And when we're functioning together in the gifts that are given to us by God, when we understand them and how important they are to the life of the congregation, then we are growing. Okay? We have to understand that our gifts need to be exercised. They need to be used. And, and when they're used, our body grows more and it's expressed more in that multifaceted greatness of our Messiah, Yeshua. You guys, are you guys catching this? Do you guys see this? This value? This you know, every person has a contribution to make. And I want to, again, just, I mean, I know I'm kind of harping on this multifaceted thing, but I want to harp on that a little bit longer, to rest on it a little bit longer, because it's so important. You know, it, it might be exciting if every person here was a prophet. That might be really exciting. It might be a little crazy, but it might be exciting too. But I will tell you that that's not going to grow people. If, if you're just focused on one gift. Multi, the multifaceted aspect is important. The, the, the diversity of the gifts. That's another way to say it. I'm using the same word, multifaceted, diversity, same thing. Okay? Focusing on one gift isn't going to grow people. There are so many important gifts. Other gifts are all important, and they're all interdependent on one another. And one part doesn't thrive without the other, okay? So again, just emphasizing that our strengths and our, and our limitations, too, our weaknesses, they're all part of God's design 
to create us to be interdependent on one another, to be dependent on Him, as it says in, in Ephesians 4. And we grow up in all ways into Messiah, who is the head. And He is the one who, is, who holds together. From, it says from Him, He holds together. The whole body is held together by every supporting ligament. Okay, He's holding it together. He is the one who is, as we are functioning as ligaments and workings in the body, Okay, he's holding us all together in that. You know, we can't function individually on our own, but it kind of goes, that's, that's countercultural to what we experience here in America. Okay, it's very countercultural. We have to work really hard in that. You know, it's, it is really tempting to just stay in your own lane. Do your own thing, you know. Do your, you know, don't, don't make any riffs. You know, the, the internet makes this possible, um, I could probably live my whole life alone with the internet. Alone in theory. I mean, I say it in air quotes because, you know, I still got to have somebody come deliver food and deliver my Amazon packages and stuff, but I don't have to actually see them, right? <laughs> I don't actually have to interact with them. I'm dependent on them, but I don't have to see them, right? I think I could live my whole life alone in my house with my computer ordering stuff. I don't even have to go to the store. Um, it could be delivered to my front door. I could work from home on my computer, you know, doing things, whatever. I can, I can join an online church, and I don't have to ever interact with a single person. You know, and some people are like, yes, that would be great, you know. But the reality is, that is a, our culture presenting a false sense of connectedness that you because it's, it's presenting like, oh, well, you can do it alone. You can still stay connected with people over social media, things like that. Um, and, and you can do it alone. You know, we'll, we'll give you everything you need. You can just stay there and be your own self. But that's not biblical. That is our culture warring against the biblical sense of connectedness that we are to have with each other. The sense that I need you. And you need me. You might think you're fine being alone, but you're not. I'm not good by myself. No, no one is good by themselves. God didn't design us this way. And, and the COVID pandemic, it really exposed this in a big way. Um, people are going to psychiatrists and counselors in record numbers. Suicide rates are off the charts right now. Because uh, people are lonely. Um, isolation experiences in this age from prisons being forced to live without um, any connectedness to other humans besides like getting delivered your necessities or food um, literally breaks people and uh, you start stop being unable you start being unable to identify as human, like see yourself as a human after a while. What, what Arielle was sharing there, if you didn't hear her, is she is saying that isolation breaks people, and you stop to even stop even identifying as a human when you're in extended periods of isolation. I think that's what you were saying. Is that correct? And it's true. You know, we think we can be alone. We think we can do it alone. But the reality is, is that God has made us to be dependent on one another. He's made us that way, and that's why the gifts of the Spirit are distributed separately and differently. Because when we're together, we can experience the fullness of our Messiah Yeshua. We can experience the fullness of Him that's available to us. And, not, and I'm not just talking for a social, social gathering, but for worship, for serving together, for the building up. This is, it says, for the building up, for the growth of the body in love. That's what we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. So, Today, I want to share with you a vision, uh, uh, I, and I'm using uh, this vision, uh, an acronym that I, that I shamelessly uh, stole from Kansas State University. Um, so in, uh, at Kansas State University, I, I, if you follow their, I don't know if they, do they just use it for sports? I don't know. It's kind of a promo thing, and maybe they don't, do they even use it anymore? I've seen it. Okay, so at K-State, they have this thing they call it EMA. Have you guys heard this here, K-State people? 
I'm not a K-State person, but I've seen it. You guys are K-State people. You went there. Ema means every man a wildcat, I think. Did I get it right? Okay, so it's like, ah, you're, you're a K-State supporter, right? You're a wildcat. Well, I'm calling this Emosh. Every member a Shamish. Okay, Emosh. Every member a Shamish. Okay, and again, I'm, I'm talking little less Shamish here, okay? Um, I, because we all serve together, right? Um, so, so that's what... I, I am. I want to. I'm going to use this more going forward. And maybe we'll make some posters about Emosh and things like that. Um, every member of Shamish is talking about how remnant of Israel needs to serve together. We are a part of a body that exists with multiple diverse gifts that have been given by God, and we serve each other together for the growth of the body in love. And I'm super excited about this for our congregation to be moving in this direction. Now. I want you to understand there's some implications of this. And Zach mentioned one of those implications. And one of the implications is that, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 12, if you go back there, one of the implications is that that no one can say they don't belong here. No one can say they don't belong here. 1 Corinthians 12.15 says, If the foot says, since I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? It's kind of a rhetorical question, right? You know, he, he continues on, and say, he says, but there are many part, now there are many parts, yet one body, all right, in, in, verse, in uh, verse 20 there. So someone might say, well, I'm not a hand, I don't belong here. Uh, I'm not musically talented, so I don't belong here. I can't teach, I don't like to be up in front of people, so I, I can't, I don't belong here. But that's not true. Big deal you're not musically talented. Who cares? What can you do? Do you have a gift of faith? Do you have a gift of intercessory prayer? I was talking to one of our congregants this morning about their gifting and calling and intercessory prayer and how powerful that is. You know, do you have, there's so much a diversity in gifts. Just because you don't have one particular gift doesn't mean you don't belong. You are uniquely gifted by God and placed here for a reason. You know, as, as we like to say about the story of Esther, for just such a time as this, right? You're placed here in this place, in this season, for a reason, with your unique giftings, for a reason. So if you're not using them, I would challenge you to say, why not? Why are you not using them? There is a way for you to use your giftings. Okay? And we need everyone. A congregation full of teachers would be incomplete. A congregation full of only prophets or only speakers in tongues would not be complete. We need to focus on many gifts, the diversity of the gifts, the multifaceted giftings that God has given to this congregation. So that's one implication. One implication is saying that is you can't say, I don't belong here. Another implication of Yamash is, is that no one can say, I don't need you. You cannot say that. Verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot tell the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be less important are indispensable. Those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no such need. Rather, God assembled the body, giving more honor to those who are lacking, so there may be no division in the body, so that many parts may have the same care for one another. No one can say, I don't need you. You know, I was, I was talking to someone else this morning about, uh, about some things, and they were talking about their kidneys, right? So their kidneys, they're on dialysis. And uh, now, you need your kidneys, Right? I know you need your kidneys. Now, you, maybe you can get by with just one kidney. You need at least one kidney. Um, but you can't take them both away and still live without being attached to a machine. It doesn't work, right? But I bet you a lot of you in here don't think about your kidneys day to day. Now, some of you who have kidneys that aren't as functional think about your kidneys every day. But 
some, for those of you who have never been on dialysis and had issues with this, you probably don't think about your kidneys too much. Okay? You don't, but you still need them, right? And it's the same in the body of Messiah. You know, there are different gifts that we don't think about a whole lot in the body of Messiah and different roles that people play that we might not think about so much and, and, we, don't, and we don't think about how much they matter until we don't have them. You know, you, you don't realize what you, don't, what you have until it's gone. I think there's a saying about that. You don't know what you got until it's gone. Um, and, and then you wonder, oh, who used to do that thing? Who, who used to clean the bathroom? Who, who, used, who, who makes sure that the AC is set every week for this time? Who, who cleans this place? Um, who gets things set up in, in, for communion or for Kiddush? You know, I mean, those are just small examples, um, and they're not necessarily specifically to do with, like, you know, supernatural spiritual giftings, but examples of roles and, and ways that people serve that maybe you take for granted and don't realize how those things happen. Um, but you can't say that you don't need those things. Because I'll tell you that if you're sitting in here without the AC on, when it's 95, 100 degrees outside, you want the AC on. <laughs> right? I want it on. Um, I don't like to be in that, in that sweating in here. Um, we need it. And there are some things that we don't know that we need. You know, you don't, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, and, you know, we might be okay with not having them. Some giftings, we might think we're okay with not having them, but then God wants to give us more of himself. God wants to give, God wants to give us more of himself, and we've just gotten used to not having. You ever thought about that, that God might want to give us more of himself, and we've just gotten used to a lower level of not having and that maybe we should desire the greater gifts and desire to use them and exercise them in greater ways, not just settle for, you know, not putting any effort and being in D-League sports when we could be operating, you know, in the Premier League and uh, in, the, in the high-level giftings that God wants to give us. It could be that seeking those gifts, like, prophetic words and tongues and interpretations and healings is something that we need to do. That these are gifts that we need to, to be seeking out. And maybe we don't have those things because we don't seek them. And we don't think about seeking them or necessarily care about seeking them because we're not, we're too, we make ourselves too busy to look for those things. To seek for those things. And yet, God would have us enjoy more of himself. And I think that's important for us to think about, that maybe God wants us to enjoy more of himself. I think that he does. He wants us to enjoy more of himself. I want to enjoy more of God, and God wants me to enjoy it. And I want that for our congregation too. I want our congregation to enjoy more of God. You know, <clears throat> so I guess where I'm settling on this is that, again, just focusing on this, understanding of seeking the gifts and seeking and using our gifts and the multifaceted diversity of our gifts, it, it, it is really so incredibly important. You know, I, I could be the greatest preacher in the whole world. I know I'm not, but I could be, you know, theoretically. I could be the best at that and week in and week out, giving it all I've got. And some people might think, well, that would be an amazing congregation. You have the best preacher in the whole world. But that wouldn't be amazing. It wouldn't be a good congregation if you had the best preacher in the whole world. It wouldn't be because preaching is not enough, right? I've already, I've already said this before, but it's not enough. You know, there are so many gifts out there. And the combination of all these gifts, the functioning of them together is what makes the body of Messiah amazing. Okay, can't just be teachers, can't just be leaders. You know, maybe there's somebody here. And let's say someone here is suffering. And I know there's people here that are suffering. I know there's people in our congregation that are suffering. It could be from anything. You're really, let's say you're really suffering. There are gifts more important than teaching in the moments of suffering, right? You don't need me to come to you when you're suffering to, to teach you how to suffer like Job, to give you a lesson on suffering. You don't need me to go and do that when you're suffering. You don't need me to go teach you the three keys to suffering. 
properly, you know. That's not helpful to you, right? <laughs> you need somebody who's there to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, to hug and comfort and walk with you in that and to sit with you in that time, to pray with you, to intercede with you, to intercede on your behalf when you're suffering. That's what you need. It doesn't, come from, it doesn't have to come from a, a rabbi. It doesn't have to come from a leader. It can come from anybody too. Okay, maybe there's someone here who's got a gift of encouragement here. And man, that, that is so valuable, a gift of encouragement. Because there's so many times when there's people that are ready to give up. They're discouraged. They're confused. They're down. They don't need to be taught some truth. You know, they know it, but they need someone with a gift of encouragement to walk alongside them help them return to the joy of the Lord. We need that. That's Emosh. That's every member of Shama serving in your gifts in that way. And, and as it said here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, in what I read in between 21 and uh, 26, um, we need to keep in mind that the stronger and weaker members of the body are all part of God's plan too. The stronger and the weaker members are a part of God's plan. And so maybe there's a person that you feel like you don't need. You, you, you don't think you need them. But I will tell you that you actually really do need them. Again, I'll, re- I'll reread this. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be less important are indispensable. This is the Holy Spirit saying this to us. They are indispensable. Those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable will be clothed with greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no such need. Rather, God assembled the body, giving more honor to those who are lacking, so that there are many there may be no division in the body, but there are so that the parts may have the same care for one another. So the Holy Spirit, through Paul, he's saying that the weaker parts are indispensable. So you might wonder, you know, there's that person in your life that's always in crisis. And you probably know that person. Um, that always has a big need, and, uh, and you're like, why is this person in my life? You know, I would tell you, have you ever thought, stepped back and thought about the effect that that person has on you? And you're able to learn to show compassion. And God has given you an opportunity to learn to show compassion even when you don't get anything in return. You shouldn't. You don't expect anything in return, and you give and you give and you give and you get nothing back, and you bear another person's burdens, and you love them, and you endure with them. Isn't that like Yeshua? Don't we become more like Him during those times? And we wouldn't have to learn that if we didn't have people around us that sometimes people might see as problematic. They're not problems. They're indispensable. Yeah, I use that as a general illustration. I'm not referring to anybody in particular here. Um, you know, it could be any one of us from time to time, and it could be me. It could be me. You know, we, we all have crises from time to time. Everybody does. It doesn't mean that we're inferior. It just means that God is working with us or with them in a different way. And so we deal with each other in our weaker moments in ways that lifts people up and honors them and cares for them. So, you know, people that are publicly displaying gifts, they don't need special attention they already get special attention, but those that hide in the shadows, those that are silent and they're suffering, they need special attention, and they're here by God's design. And we have to have people that notice that, too, and have their giftings that really notice that and can give them the attention that they need can, and, and can help bring others alongside and teach us how to have mercy on someone else, how to encourage someone else, how to walk alongside someone else. We all have giftings that, in that way, and that's a good thing that God has given to us. The, the, again, and I'll just kind of bottom line this and uh, come to a conclusion here. God has given us a diversity of gifts. 
okay? They're not better or worse than the other gifts. They're uniquely different. And each of our gifts contribute to the whole functioning of our body here at Remnant of Israel. And so what I'm hoping you take away from this today is, is an encouragement today. I'm, I'm going for encouragement here to encourage you to see yourself and to see every person here called with specific gifts for service in the building up of the body. Um, and, and we need to find out what they are. You know, I was in, a, in my poorhouse last night. It was, it was very noisy. Um, it was a little bit crazy, but we were trying to have a conversation about what are your spiritual gifts? What are, what are they? How, how did you come to know them? How did you find out what they were? And, uh, and you, I want to encourage you that you can do that too. You know, that you can find out what your spiritual gifts are and that you can use them here at Remnant of Israel. You know, showing up, being here, attendance is only the starting point, okay? So what I'm also saying is that you can't leave everything to those of us who are elders or on the board. You know, I can't take everything here at Remnant of Israel. I can't handle everything. In fact, if I'm being fully transparent, I will tell you that I'm, I'm already operating with it at my own limits, okay, right now. I'm operating at my own limits, probably in some ways beyond what's good for me. Um, and so I need your help in leading this congregation. I, I need your help in caring for this congregation. Mm. I don't know if you heard what Ariel said. She said, sometimes uh, you might notice something and think, well, somebody else will handle that. Somebody else more qualified than me will handle that. Um, and she was, I think, very correctly pointing out is that if you notice it, I would suggest that that's something that God has put in front of you. And you, you become the person who is, who is uh, I don't know, handling or... Uh, taking on the things that God has put in front of you. That's one of the, the simp simple rules that I have for my own life is that I take care of the things that God has put in front of me. There's some things that God hasn't put in front of me and I don't, I don't always have to deal with, but there are things that God puts in front of me that... Uh, I need to address and I need to deal with and I need to minister to. A thing might be a person or it could be a clogged toilet too, you know, I don't know. Um, it's whatever God has put in front of me though. Um, as, and as I was saying, I need your help. There's a lot that needs help here at Remnant of Israel and it's good for you, it's good for each one of us to take ownership in some things here in the congregation. It takes every member of Shamash for us to be the body of Messiah. And so I want to tell you also now in a spirit of repentance that you know, we're in the month of Elul here, in the month that's really introspection and repentance. I have to confess that since I've been on the board the past several years, that we've really not done a very good job at encouraging or enabling everyone to serve. We've not done a very good job of that. You know, it's been preached from the pulpit from time to time in some form. And I know that when John and Annette got here, um, one of their big initiatives was, what's your job? Come and tell me what your job is. And uh, Annette, do you remember that? So it was first, that first year that you were here, and, uh, and you were really emphasizing that. What's your job? Every person here has a job. And, uh, and we kind of, I don't know, that kind of died off. The, at least the emphasis on that died off. Um, you know, but outside of that, I don't think we've tried to functionally organize ourselves as a Shamish-oriented congregation. You know, I think people have a desire to serve. People want to serve. Maybe they don't know how or they don't feel wanted. 
They don't feel needed. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to get involved in or how to do it. Um, maybe they're not a person to just step up and raise their hand and say, hey, let me get involved in that. And they don't know how to do that. Maybe they felt a desire to serve, but they didn't know how. Maybe they did feel unwanted or unneeded. And I'll tell you that that is not okay. It's not okay. And I'm sorry for that. It needs to change. That we enable people to serve. Now, does that mean that you're going to do everything that you want to do? No, probably not. Does it mean you will do things that you don't necessarily want to do? Probably, yes. Um, and that's okay also, because we humble ourselves as ready servants to, to do what's in front of us. So within the capacities of our giftings and our talents, we, within what the Lord's given us, we humble ourselves to serve in these ways. Kristen? Kristen asked, how do we know what our gift is? I do want to talk about that in a little bit. Can I address that in a little bit? Okay. Um, it means, though, that... It, I, I, do, I just want to caveat and say that, you know, as we, as we serve in different ways, um, we also should recognize that, that our giftings may change by season in our life. Our callings may change by season in our life. Um, it's not always going to be the same. You know, I was, a, I was a youth minister for 12 years here. And uh, that's not, that season is not here for me right now. Um, <clears throat> it's changed. And some of you have served in different capacities in, in your life, in different ministry capacities that you maybe don't serve in anymore. And that's okay. I thank you for your service in the kingdom and the ways that you've served in the past. And I thank you for the way you're serving now, I, that God has maybe called you to something different. Change is okay in, in your calling and in, in your giftings. It's, it's okay. Now, some of you already know your giftings and callings, your biblical giftings. Some of you know. Other people, you don't know yet maybe what your giftings and callings are. And, or maybe you knew in the past, but you feel like, well, that season is gone, and I'm not sure where God has me now or what God has given me now. So Ariel has shared with us that one of the ways that we can find out what our gifting, is calling, gifting and or calling is is to just ask God, what is my gifting? What is my calling? And I would agree with you that that is one way. We can ask God, what is it? What is it now? And some, some of you may feel like, well, yeah, I've had a gifting or a calling. And maybe I'm in a new season in Messianic Judaism. I'm trying to feel this out and see you. I'm trying to learn right now, and I'm not ready to just get, dive in and, and serve, and I would tell you, and I'm going to challenge you and say, well, yeah, you can serve and learn at the same time, and sometimes learning, you learn the most when you're getting involved and, and walking alongside people and doing. You will learn the most in that way, so that's a really great way to learn. Just dive in and do something. Another way to find out what your gifting is and your calling is is to just pay attention to what God puts in front of you. Pay attention to what you would I would call your natural bent in life. What are you, what are you feeling like uh, you're, you should be doing? Um, there's, a, there's a person here. I'm not going to identify who they are, but they, <clears throat> they are a natural evangelist. Okay? <clears throat> and, they, and I have seen them, and I know by, by their behavior... They're not trying to evangelize, necessarily, but they do it because that's who they are, and that's their gifting. <laughs> and, and not only do they evangelize, but they're consistent about it. It's not just a go stand in the street corner. <coughs> it's not just a go stand on the street corner and say, you know, repent for the end is near kind of evangelism, it's a walk alongside you for five years and evangelize and disciple you, one person, type of evangelism. Sometimes you just have that natural bent and you have to tr try out new things and, and just see what God is doing and what God is placing in front of you. 
Sometimes you just need someone to tell you what your gift is because they might know you and they might have seen you over a period of, over a season in your life and they say, they might say, you might just go and ask them and say, what do you think my gifts are? A trusted spiritual person here, a trusted person in this congregation, what do you think my gifts are? A person you feel, feel that knows you well. I bet you they would have some insight for you to tell you what they see God doing in you, what they see your personality, your natural bent towards, your gifting and calling. You know, as far as connecting you to your gifts and callings and areas of service, what I, what I, my vision is for this is that we want to create sort of a matrix of these are all of our these are ministries and needs in the congregation, and those, and those ministries and needs are going to be in flux, and they're going to change. And these are all of our people that have their giftings and callings, and we need to fill those ministries and needs, right, and those opportunities in the congregation with people that serve in their capacities, in their needs, in their ministries within the congregations. Now, I cannot organize everyone in this way. Okay, I don't, I don't have the capacity. I, I do have a gifting in administration, and I can help organize this, but I can't do every single person and connect every single person to every single ministry. Okay? I can't do that. And so my vision here is that we are going to work through our poorhouse leaders to help do this. So connecting to our home group leaders and having our home group leaders help identify gifted people and, and opportunities and match them up together, okay? So our poorhouse leaders are going to be our best connection points for these to, to organize and match opportunities in the congregation and ministries and gifts and ideas and areas that we can serve as a congregation with people that can do that. And so, again, this is my emphasis to become a part of a home group, a part of a poorhouse. Um, and these are going to be functionally increasingly important as we move forward in the congregation. You know, and most of them, they meet on Friday nights, Friday evenings. Our Spanish-speaking group meets on Shabbat afternoon. Um, I would love to multiply these poorhouses into groups that meet midweek maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, too, because I know that Friday night doesn't work for everybody. Um, and sometimes Tuesday works better for you or Wednesday night works better for you. Um, I would love to multiply these and, and find and give more people an opportunity to plug in to a home group in a, in a way and in a time that works for you. But sometimes we need to start with the ones that are already existing and then say, okay, you know, maybe you can make that work for a season so you can... Or you can come talk to us and say, you know, I really want to be a part of this, but I cannot do Friday night. When can we do a different night? You know, how can we do this a little bit differently so that we can expand opportunities within our congregation for people to be connected and plugged in and operating within the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit and connecting them to the opportunities to serve within the congregation. So that's, that's my vision here. And... and it's already quarter afternoon, so I'm not going to uh, continue to expand upon that right now. But I'm going to be working with our poorhouse leaders to, to develop this more and more. And I imagine that some of you also have ideas about how we can organize this. And I certainly don't claim to be the uh, sole possessor of ideas on how to organize this. And so I would actively encourage you to come and work with your poorhouse leaders or work with me and say, these are, my these are my ideas, or these are ways I've seen how it can work really well. And so, I would, so I'm soliciting those ideas from you. So you can come to me later or midweek or sometime other time when you comes to you and you have a way to flesh this out and we can talk about this more together. But I just want you to notice that we are really functionally at a crossroads here. We are at a transition point, a point in flux here at Remnant of Israel right now. You know, um, and so we have this opportunity to choose this biblical path of operating in this multifaceted, fully expressed body of Messiah that the scripture describes in 1 Corinthians 12. And I am super excited to go in this direction, to, to 
give and, and, and enable everyone to operate within the gifts that God's calling them, and then to also to seek more in the giftings, seek more of the spiritual gifts that God is calling for each one of us. And I look forward to seeing how the Lord works out his giftings in every person here for the building up of the body of Messiah in love. Amen? Amen.